by ideally forming some formal practices that enable some space and stillness, then you're just allowing things to settle. We say we can't see the wood for the trees. And so I think of those formal practices as a little bit like a clearing so that you can get your bearings and take a few big deep breaths and then you can see what's what and then move forward more intentionally. Welcome to episode 164 of Be The Drop, a weekly interview podcast sharing stories from people who inspire and motivate others to help you learn how to tell your story. I'm Amelia Veal, Director at Narrative Marketing and firm believer in the superpower of storytelling. When it comes to looking after ourselves, most of us treat symptoms when they appear instead of managing our lifestyle to prevent them from occurring. Stress management is one such issue that stops us from working effectively and enjoying time out of the office. Yet most of us don't prevent overload until it's too late. Susie Hopkins is an expert on stress. She knows exactly what the weight of stress feels like, whether it be from stress at work, family, or your own expectations. Susie's reaction to the stress in her life was to learn how to manage it. And based on the knowledge she built from her journey, she established Lilo Wellness, a science-based stress management business. In today's episode of Be The Drop, we will learn to deal with the hurdles life inevitably throws our way. Susie's own stress-inducing journey from nurse to small business owner is one of the many examples she uses to explain why we get stressed, what the consequences are, and how we can both manage and prevent stress. This is Susie's version of Be The Drop. When I find something useful for my business, I like to share the love. For royalty-free music on podcasts and video, we love Soundstripe. It's got lots of great tunes and no boring elevator music. As a Soundstripe partner, we're excited to offer you a 10% discount code. There's a discount link in the show notes or enter the code BETHEDROP at the Soundstripe checkout. Susie, thank you so much for joining me for our next episode of Be The Drop. That's my absolute pleasure. So you've got your item of significance and that's going to explain a little bit about you, give us some context and lead us into your story. My item of significance is this small twig with beautiful white flowers on it, which was given to me by my beautiful son this morning because he gives me flowers just about every single day. It's one of his little obsessions. Well, that is beautiful. So give us a little bit of context around that story as well and how that connects in with what you're doing and, you know, the business services you're building. As I mentioned, my son can be a little obsessive and this is one of his most beautiful little obsessions is that he has to give his mama some flowers every day when we go out to the car and go through the garden. The reason why this is significant is because it's the really beautiful side of a story that can be really stressful as well. So my son has autism and we only found out in May this year. So it's pretty fresh and somewhat validating because things have been hard from the beginning. He's recently turned five. In terms of my story and what I do, I teach people stress management. And basically the story is that I had a very little idea just how much I was going to have to practice 
what I preach. That's how that comes into the significance of my story. Mm. It is lovely that you can recognise there is the beautiful side of the challenges around, you know, your son's autism and, and how you manage that. Yeah. And I think it's so interesting, isn't it, you know, the the practice what you preach and really putting that in into play because, yeah, I think we do have this idea that people that teach mindfulness and stress management must be very, you know, have really great chi, they're very relaxed, they must have it all together, you know, We've just got this idea that, you know, they're teaching those skills so they've therefore mastered the art of life. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I think that on the whole, a lot of people that are attracted to teaching this kind of work probably have had big leaps in their own development, personal development, where they've learnt skills that have really helped them. From my experience, that's because often they are quite stressed people to begin with. And they learn skills that make a huge difference. But that doesn't mean that they're now immune to stresses. So yeah, absolutely. That's, that's true. And it's certainly the case for me. Often I introduce myself as my name is Susie Hopkins, and I'm a recovering stress head. (laughs) So yes, stress does affect me, but I do have a lot of skills to deal with it. And I was always practicing them. But just how much I would have to practice acceptance and patience and all those things that I teach people about and gratitude is different to what I thought would be the picture. So tell me about building your business. You were previously a nurse and now you're going in and coaching mindfulness and stress management practices. How did you make that transition? It has not been easy. (laughs) You don't learn much about the things you need to know to run a business when you're a nurse and working in research and doing crazy things like flying around in light aircrafts around the Northern Territory to Aboriginal communities, that sort of thing. So I I guess I see the last few years as me getting an education. So I've taken every opportunity to educate myself by going to various workshops and, and learning from blogs and doing small business courses. It's been a massively steep learning curve. I feel like I found my feet in terms of providing the services that I provide and putting my business out there in terms of how it looks and all of that probably late last year. And that was maybe two and a half years from when I started tinkering with this idea with a little child on my own. So it's been really interesting. Yeah, I'm now at a place that I'm really happy to have arrived at where I also feel like I found my feet in more of a business sense as well. I've also just engaged a business coach for the first time for the next six months. So I'm super excited about really taking things to the next level now as well. Mm, So for you, it really has been about that education journey and, as you said, short courses, and now you've moved on to that business coach, which is really just another level on on this education journey. I mean, it's massive. Running your own business is enormous and you can't do it on your own. I mean, you can run a business on your own, but it takes a lot of input from others for you to get it right, whether that be information or support in whatever form that takes. So, and one of the most critical things for me actually was becoming part of the One Roof community, which is a co-working space for women. And I did a little three-month program with them, which just changed everything because I was just working at home, from home, with very little understanding of what I was doing. And working out that you need a business community to run a business. That was a game changer. The event that we met at 
that's why I was there as well, to meet other people, like-minded people, to create that community. You can't do it on your own. No. And, you know, running your own business can be quite isolating. So finding the external business connections is so important. So important. So then tell me, you know, when you're working with clients, when you're working with people to help them manage stress, what are some of the key things that we really need to be thinking about? What are some of those tools that you're teaching people? I think awareness is absolutely paramount across the board and it's something that we need to learn to have more of, to do more, to be more aware. Thankfully it's changing, kids are being taught these skills more now but I certainly wasn't taught about the power of awareness moment to moment, moment to moment and in other ways as well. So everything that I do has awareness at its core, I guess you'd say. So I teach people about how important moment to moment awareness is in terms of the the neurophysiology in in the mind. When we're more aware of our internal and external world, it actually settles the stress response. But I also think that it's about being aware of what the science says. So aware of of valuable insights and content that I can share. Awareness is key and awareness leads to being able to be more intentional in how we live our lives. When, When we talk about awareness moment to moment, it's about being more mindful and we can cultivate that through mindfulness practices such as meditation or yoga or even tai chi and and other practices as well but we can also cultivate our ability to do that just in our day-to-day the formal practices will in my view and certainly not alone in this thinking will kind of turbocharge our ability to do that the rest of the time and I see that as so critical to managing stress. And it's interesting because as you're talking, I'm thinking about, you know, being in that moment, being mindful of your internal, external. I wonder about the impact of technology and not technology in itself, but how we're using it mm-hmm. when, you know, we're building this um, sense of immediacy, like we need to have information now. You know, we're, we're actually building a practice where people have expectations for immediate information. So if they're in a conversation and they're talking about something and then they're unclear, instead of waiting and allowing that time in another moment, they're pulling out devices and looking it up. I find there's a stress associated with this requirement for things now, now, now. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, you know, are we creating a society that's actually elevating stress? Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of data around that would suggest that that is the case in lots of different ways. One of the main ways is a bit separate to the immediacy type issue is just simply that we very rarely have any time where we're not focused on doing. We, we don't sit on the bus and look out the window and we don't sit in a doctor's surgery. I mean, even like, yes, we can look at a magazine, but it, it is different when we use technology. The amount of data that we are consuming is just phenomenally higher than it ever has been in, you know, ever before. And it's increasing all the time. And so we're having to go back to skills that have been around for millennia, literally, and they've never been more useful because of this, and it's 
most simple information overload, the amount of interactions that we have each day with other people, everything has just increased and our brains are, many people would say, overloaded. Slowing things down is one of the the biggest skills that you can learn to help you manage as well, which is so counterintuitive when you're busier than ever. And by ideally forming some formal practices that enable some space and stillness, then you're um, just allowing things to settle a little bit. It's a little bit like finding a clearing in the forest, right? We say we can't see the wood for the trees. And so I think of those formal practices as a little bit like a clearing so that you can get your bearings and, you know, just take a few big deep breaths and then you can see what's what and then move forward more intentionally. I've been speaking to people who are looking at practices per se, not necessarily the formal practices you're speaking about, but email management mm-hmm. and turning off notifications mm-hmm. and not having their phones by their bed, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, is that sort of like an extension of really what you're talking about? Absolutely. And it does take some discipline to do those things. And again, intentionality. It's not just about the those formal mindfulness or meditation practices. It's very much about taking a big picture view and planning and and designing how you live your life so that you can put your best foot forward, you know, hopefully live your life as much as possible to your full potential. Might sound a bit unrealistic or something, I don't know. But even in a business context, you know, around productivity, if you're constantly being distracted from, you know, different notifications or seeing email messages pop up, you're working on one thing and then you're jumping across because messages are coming in, you know, this data overload is is coming in, Uh then that's going to negatively impact your productivity. No question. Absolutely. And those sorts of strategies people talk about a lot, but if you don't develop the ability to operate moment to moment with more awareness and you just don't autopilot all the time, then you don't think to stop and turn your phone off and think, okay, hang on, I'm doing something where I need to be able to concentrate. I'm going to just shut everything out, you know, physically or metaphorically, you know. So the first piece really for me, I just always come back to trying to cultivate more awareness. And that might start just informally and just noticing what's going on for you. You know, I would hope that, especially if you look at the the neuroscience around this stuff as well, like if you really want to be able to put your best foot forward, and especially if you're somebody who experiences quite a lot of stress, either because of your situation in your work or your personal life, or you have that kind of demeanour where you're on the more anxious side, then these skills that you can cultivate through setting aside some time for formal awareness building can just make such a massive, massive difference to being able to, you know, show up, mm. you know, as your most productive and most effective and most calm, happy self. So it's pretty huge. And what about sleep? Where does sleep fit in it? Because, you know, I'm, I'm reaching close to 40 and I've just found that I've developed bad sleep habits. Mm-hmm. And so it's something I'm consciously aware of. And I'm, you know, I really do think it's impacting my ability to be productive and efficient. But I know, so I, I need to, you, you mentioned the word discipline. I, I have to get better disciplined about that. Mm-hmm. But is sleep something that really plays into this stress management? One of the most important things. So in the the workshop series that is my primary service that I provide or product out there, we cover stress management, sleep and rest because it's also about just R&R in general and nutrition and physical activity. And the other part of awareness is that awareness of where you're at and where you want to be, right, and what steps you can take to get there. When we cover sleep, 
One of the main things with sleep is that it's pretty much endemic that people don't get enough sleep. In our culture, it's become the norm to not get enough sleep. We, we need seven to nine hours, depending on the person, to function well, and it's really bad for our health if we don't. It's one of the best things you can do to be less stressed is make sure you get that. But that can be really hard if you've developed the wrong patterns. And, you know, there's two sides to sleep. One is the wrong patterns and then there's having difficulty sleep. So we'll just talk about developing the wrong habits and how to get out of that. But being intentional, working out when you're going to go to bed, probably more importantly, when you're going to get up and working back from there so that you know that you're getting the right amount of sleep for you. But then you can't just go to bed at that time and turn the lights out and expect to go to sleep. They suggest 15 minutes every three or four days so that you're incrementally increasing how much sleep you're getting because we do have these biological rhythms, right? And you need to be very intentional about it. You need to have low light for a little while before bed, ideally, like lamp light, turn off your screens, maybe have a a nice warm shower, have a little ritual so that you can get your body into the habit of having that healthier circadian rhythm that is going to enable you to be able to function at your best and see, it sounds so appealing to me. Mm. And I, I feel like I know this information, but I don't really understand why I'm not doing it. Why am I not implementing that? And I'm sure I'm not I'm not the only one. Yeah. You know, what are these barriers? Why aren't we making these decisions that could really improve our life and make us healthier and happier? Well, that's my job, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> my job is to motivate you and inspire you to try and get really intentional about that. So I think the reason we find it so hard to do is just because we're creatures of habit, right? And we also live in a system with partners and friends and whoever who are also on the same time frame as us. We have this expectation that we work when we work and we've got to get these things done. You know, you need to, I guess, have a holistic approach and come to a point where you're going to prioritise yourself and realise that prioritising yourself is going to be really good, not just for you, but for everybody around you. Take steps to implement stuff. I mean, sleep is just one piece of the puzzle. It's a really, really, really important one. And you can absolutely just go to the Australian Sleep Foundation website and get really good information about how to ensure you can get into a good rhythm. The coaching process can be really, really helpful with this kind of stuff as well. So let me ask you, Amelia, why do you think it would be a good idea for you to get more sleep? Because uh, it might stop me prematurely ageing. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, also just because I, I feel like then there might be a better sense of grounding. I, I do well on my physical and nutritional health generally. I mean, I, you know, we all have some lapses like chocolate. But, uh, yeah, I'm pretty good with that. I, haven't, I don't really actively manage sleep and I feel like I've just become a bit aware of that. Just putting it back onto you though, what do you think the barriers are to you doing? Maybe this is part of the barrier because I don't, in, I'm not asking myself those questions. Which is why I'm asking you. So ask yourself those questions. What would it take? Would it take you getting really properly sick, you know? And what would happen if you got really properly sick and you, or you got completely burnt out? And sit with that. And that's part of that awareness piece as well because we're so busy that we don't stop and think about those things. Mm. And the other thing that I think you spoke about as well is that it's really important to focus on self. Now, you know, I run my own business. I've got two children and my husband's fly in, fly out. 
self, me, <laughs> d- doesn't get prioritised very often. And, I, you know, I think that's a really common experience where we're busy and, and maybe even more so for women as well because of our nurturing, the, the roles that we sort of, for better or worse yeah. or whether we should or not, where we sort of fall into. I think there's also this thing that that might be selfish. It's just all about putting your own oxygen mask on first, right? But it is societally, I don't think most particularly women operate that way unless, like myself, you get to the point where you know if you don't do all these things that it is going to impact those around you as much as it's impacting you. It's really just about being aware of that mindset and understanding completely that if you look after yourself everybody else will benefit. At the end of a five-week workshop series, I have some people come up to me and say, I now prioritise my own well-being above everything else. And I still work my butt off, but I know when enough is enough and that I'm not indispensable and I prioritise my time very differently. I manage my energy very differently. They're more productive, but they're not running ragged. And I think that one of the things that I really like is that you coin it in a way that you're unapologetically going to put yourself first. When I came in and we were first chatting and I don't even know why, I was like, oh, sorry about that. And you were like, no, no, this is a no, sorry. And then I was like, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I'm like, oh. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, and that is something that, you know, I'm aware of and try to manage is not apologise. And I do it more when I'm writing emails. You know, if I couldn't do something or something's been delayed or whatever, instead of framing it as, sorry, it's like this is what's happened and mm-hmm. these are the occurrences mm-hmm. and this is what I'll do about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And this is a female thing often too. One of the biggest benefits that I've had from, you know, what I've learnt along the way in terms of being more mindful, looking after my my well-being as a, as a priority is I don't really do guilt very much. So life is still stressful and there are times when I still have anxiety and I used to have it really badly and thankfully not so much anymore. There are times where it comes up. So life isn't perfect by any stretch and I still experience all those things. But I don't have that added layer of feeling bad about feeling bad. I don't feel guilty if I stuff up or something happens where I've, I might feel inclined to say, sorry, I'm really, with that awareness, I notice, yeah, I don't feel bad. Every now and then I wish I'd done things differently, but I don't get that deep sense of guilt, which is a really big issue for parents as well. Yeah. And carrying that around is a burden. Yeah. And it zaps your energy. Yeah. yeah. So it must be so liberating to not need to carry that load. Totally. And for you experiencing that, is that part of the motivation of why you want to share the content that you're sharing? Absolutely, no question. For most of my adult life, I had pretty significant at times depression and anxiety and I see that as characterised by that negative self-talk. Perhaps there's people out there who don't have that much of that, but it can be quite under the surface as well. So you may not be that aware of how much beliefs and negative self-talk can be impacting you. And it's by bringing it into your awareness that you can just go, well, hang on a minute, I don't have to buy into that stuff and until it has very little power over you anymore. That was just so absolutely and completely liberating for me. And basically it was as if a switch was flicked and that voice went away and absolutely motivating for why I share this info. Fantastic. Well, Susie, thank you so much for joining me. In conclusion, though, could you share your Be The Drop tips? I use a coaching process even if I'm doing a group workshop because I think that 
by asking questions and getting people to tune in with where they're at, then we tap into that intrinsic motivation instead of here's the information, let that motivate you. You know, if you don't get that amount of sleep, it affects the expression of your genes, right? Which is true, but why is it important to you? And getting people to do exercises during those sessions where they're really reflecting, again, increasing that awareness of what's going on for them to do with the outside world. And then obviously I want my own personal story to inspire people too, that you know, even if you do have a pretty stressful existence, you can still, as much as you know possible, because it varies from day to day, but you can still go out there and follow your dreams. And, you know, I'm running my own business. You know, at times it's hard, the juggle, but um, there's no reason why the next person can't manage as well. Fantastic. Thank you so much. That's my pleasure. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Be The Drop. Don't forget to subscribe in order to ensure you never miss out on one of our weekly episodes. Be The Drop is produced by Narrative Marketing, where we believe that stories connect individuals and that powerful storytelling can positively impact the world. To unleash your storytelling superpower, visit narrativemarketing.com.au or check out our social links in the show notes. To contact me directly with any specific comments you have, you can email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au. And don't forget that whilst a task or challenge may seem overwhelming, a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that.